right, everybody. Welcome back to Let's Talk About Thrones, in which three people in different geographical locations come together on the internet to talk about old episodes of Game of Thrones. And eventually we'll run out of those, and hopefully by that time there'll be new episodes of Game of Thrones. See our strategy? <laughs> I, w- we, we, I would we like are, to. We yeah. are helping it along a little bit by taking a bit of a hiatus ourselves. So if you're that's just getting right. back into this, the, that's that's why. Yeah, that's, that's why. Just go with that. That's why. Yeah. And um, I would like to bring in my compatriots in this journey, Sir Richard Gunther, who by now might know what the word Sir means, um, and Sir Anthony, no last name. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I was going to say snow, and then I was like, no, that intimates way more inappropriate things. Um, Not technically so, untrue, however, so we'll go with well, that. Anthony there you Snow, go. there we go. Anthony Snow. Whoa. So uh, he's... No, he's in a snowy state. Okay, so <laughs> this is uh, we're going to start off with two. We're going to do two episodes of the game of the thrones, mm-hmm. and this is episodes three hundred five and three hundred six. And season three is a good season. Good things are happening. It's interesting. It's like sixty percent interesting to me. So th- this one features um, the hound, right? Mm-hmm. You've got Jamie and Brienne rotling through the wilderness and encountering all sorts of adventures. Jon Snow is going out on adventures with his new wildling buddies. Certainly wow, something happens to Rob well. Stark, and I just couldn't care less. And, and I really like how they put this in the summary, Tyrion learns the cost of weddings. Mm. And, then in, and that one's called Kissed by Fire. And then there's an episode called The Climb. Mm. In which Tywin Lannister is doing a lot of machinations and Melisandre is back in the lowlands, which is really interesting and never good for anybody when she's nearby. And more things happen with Rob Stark that I don't care about. (laughs) Just don't care. Let's just put me. I don't care about Rob Stark. And then one of the greatest things in all of Game of Thrones happens with John and the Wildlings in which they climb the flipping wall. Mm. I've ne- I have I mean, that was like, I feel like that was one of the first episodes where I was like, these people are geniuses. But anyway, we'll get really? to that in a second. Okay. I good, loved so, it. Because I have so many questions. <laughs> all right. Well, as, first, as you let's, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's structurally legitimate, but I found it really interesting. Okay. So, this uh, first episode, the what's it called? The Kiss by Fire. You are going to get the be- the very beginnings, not the very, very beginning, but like more of the beginning of the relationship between Jon Snow and Tormund Giant's Bane, mm-hmm. the, the, the second best redhead in this show. <laughs> and uh, they are in like a small group who sent ahead to scale the aforementioned wall and attack Castle Black, and things start to happen. So tell me what we think about this. Go ahead, Richard. This is your first time watching through, and I really didn't catch anything this time that I didn't see the first time, so more power to you. So again, I'm just having the same trouble that I've had all along, which is keeping track of all of these people. And now we have this entirely, not really new now, maybe, you know, six or seven episodes in new clan, which I think is actually the right term in this case, of people that he is 
like getting to know and trying to earn their trust. And there's obviously trust issues between them. And, and that's one of the things that I have questions about right from the beginning, because it, what exactly has he done? Like they captured him, if you will. So what exactly has he done that they don't trust him? That that's like my biggest question going into this episode. That, he's a crow. Yeah, he, he's 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 a man of the of the of the of the Night's Watch. That's there's there's literally hundreds of years of battling between these two groups of people. They so, historically do not get along. Right. Okay. Um, All right. So he's like not trusted, but uh, Igreet has a very interesting way of uh, figuring out whether he really is still a man <laughs> of the Night's Watch. And we could probably call him a Knight of the Southern Watch, too, if we really wanted to get tactical about it. <laughs> I was going to say, by uh, screwing him? Well, yeah, and also by uh, introducing her to new concepts in intimacy, which I guess she did not know about. Right. Um, so it, it, it's uh, actually, this is one of the very important um, episodes in Game of Thrones lore, because look, these guys are supposed to be celibate, and maybe not all of them are, but, you know, John's such a poker up the <coughs> the behind he, he's, he's uh, kind of his guy. Oath. He's a man of his oath is a nicer way to say what I was trying to say. Uh, and this is a real moment for them in which, you know, um, she puts it off on it being a test. But really, like, they like each other. Hmm. So, um, yay! It's, it's really awkward flirting is what that was. That was... Yeah. Um, and, it's and, fine. Yeah. And, 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 and what, it, what it comes down to is a little later you find out that it didn't convince Egret anyway. She still has her doubts. She still has you know she's she still believes that you're you're still a man of your oath even though you've you've done this other stuff because in the end it's all just a way to get you to where you want to be and then that comes to test later on so yeah and i just have to say like i'm a big fan of these two it's actually one of the very few healthy relationships in this whole show um, like healthy ish <laughs> ish i mean look is this comparative like what's a healthier relationship Intimate relationship in, in this show, uh, yeah. I, I don't know there is one. Yeah, you're yeah, there you you're go. definitely on it. So, yeah. winner yeah. by default. Uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, I, it's just a great thing. So, so that's a good bit. And then you've got um, Daenerys Targaryen sacking things, freeing her army, and then you've got Barristan Selmy making his way uh, all the way from um, King's Landing to this new queen and he's just like a real decent dude and explaining, you know, where he's been and what he's doing. And, and, um, you know, these two guys are kind of positioning with each other about like where they're, who's more important and, you know, who's going to earn her trust, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, now, I like, I like Barristan Selmy. Now, R Richard, did you catch where Barristan Selmy's from? Like right off the bat or do we have to kind of explain that last time? Because it wasn't until this point that I realized it on my first watching. No, you, I need the help. I always need the help. <laughs> I feel so dumb here. Yeah. I thought they're, they're, they're a little jockeying back and forth, how they, they went from regaling with each other about these, these shared histories. And then when it came to the present, they immediately diverged into 
almost separate camps of the same side and uh, kind of Barristan Selmy is putting himself in a position, trying to trying to hold himself in a position to where he's going to be the favored of the West Rossi, whereas um, Jora is like, he's the establishment. He's already there. He's already built some trust. He's already kind of kind of got this thing going with Daenerys and he wants to make, make sure that it stays. And uh, it's very interesting how they presented the, their, their various arguments to each other in private. Yeah. And they're just angling like who knows what, mm-hmm. you know, do you know that I was actually going to try to assassinate this lady, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> yep. And then there's some business with this, the unsullied and we meet gray worm for the first time. And we learn a little bit about, um, you know, what makes them the unsullied and, you know, he starts out boring and he stays boring forever. Well, almost forever. Uh, okay, but that so that moment, so the Grey Worm moment was actually kind of cool, right? Because here we have this slave who has not been permitted to refer to himself by his his own name. He had to use the name that was given to him and he he tells his name as he wants to be known. And that's a big deal. I think I thought that was really kind of a cool moment. It definitely endears him to Daenerys immediately. It's, it's a, it's a, not only because her people, her, her, her army has chosen him amongst all of them, but also because he's immediately like when he gets to choose his name, he stays with the same name that he had gray worm because that's the name he had when she freed him. And it's a lucky name. Like immediately, you can see just the the expression on Daenerys' face was like, "All right, I've this 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 is my guy. This is this is someone who's going to stay loyal to me no matter what." So he gets to decide. You know, I'm going to be called X. I don't know. I like that. I thought that was a good moment. Yeah. All right. So, how fast can we get through this business in River Run? Because <laughs> basically it could be summed up really quickly as Rob Stark makes bad decisions over and over and over and over again. I don't think we need much more than that, do we? Yeah. I mean, like all bad decisions lead down one road and this is just a whole bunch of leading down one road. End of story. Rob Stark is... On on one hand, he's he's actually making kingly decisions. He's holding people accountable for their actions. He's not letting his personal opinions go too deep into his judgment. But then he doesn't put any faith in his in in his advisors, like none. And everything he starts to do is just starting to fall apart. And we've gone from we've we've basically already hit the the crest, the high point, the the very peak of Rob Stark's importance in the story. And from here on out, it's basically a crescendo of, of mistakes. Yes. He, he gets more and more boring as he gets more and more tragic. That's all I'm going to yes. say. <laughs> yeah. I guess the, the, the thing that I would think here as I look at his actions here is that, you know, you, you look at Joffrey, who really doesn't listen to anybody because he's power hungry and because he thinks he knows better. And that's an interesting contrast to Rob, who doesn't listen to anybody because he doesn't think he can trust anybody. At least that's the impression that I get. 
He doesn't listen to anybody, including his own mother, because he doesn't believe that he can trust literally anybody. Yeah. And maybe not the best move. Just saying. Yeah, it's very, very different people. And that's all I can say about that, because anything else would be spoilery. So. Yes. Very different. They're very different reasons for their rule and and how they do it, and still so similar. Yeah, Heron Hall, the big ugly arse fortress, uh, Northish, Northish fortress, in which no good thing ever happens, mm. uh, is how I like to sum up Heron Hall. And but <laughs> here, quite a lot happens, and it's all pretty interesting. And I really. Um, this is a turning point in the relationship for Jamie and Brienne, and I really like it, especially because they start to surprise each other. Yeah, this is a wonderful scene. Yep. You have previously only seen him as a complete jerk, as somebody who couldn't be trusted and had no good qualities whatsoever. And her as nothing but kind of like clean and loyal and, um, you know, and, and standing for what is right. And I love that we get this scene where the two of them are in a bath together and she is perfectly clean. She's been a mess because they've been traveling and they've both been filthy and she looks perfectly clean and beautiful, like we've never seen her before. And he still looks filthy, mm-hmm. absolutely filthy. And in that filth, he tells the story of how he became known as the Kingslayer. And we find that, you know what? There might actually be a shred of decency underneath that layer of filth. I love the symbolism there. We see both of them kind of pull opposite roles because when he first gets in the bath, he says a few things and Brienne stands up and is ready to fight. She's at the at the cusp of her control, which she <laughs> hasn't gotten even close to losing her control until this point. And at the same in the same scene, we see Jamie lose his control, his stoic nature and his brashness and breaks down into almost this almost a crying state about how he became the Kingslayer and what it really means to him versus this life that he thought he was living. Yeah. And like this scene is so, this scene is like you finally, you've seen glimpses of a very interesting character in Jamie Lannister, but this is the first time he's really been knocked off his game in a way that he couldn't control. Right. Like, even when he was in a prison cell, he was still sassy. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, this is really... And, like, the moment when he faints and she's holding him is, like, swoony. I'm sorry. Mm. It's a little swoony. <laughs> like, it's really good. It's a good moment. It's a great character moment. Yeah. It's yeah. it's just great. And did, anyway. did either of you notice that throughout this scene... This, this scene in particular, you have a fully nude Gwendolyn Christie and not once did you ever see anything that you couldn't show on normal, like, n- nighttime TV. Yep. Like, everything was expertly shot, it was expertly cut, 
and you don't get to see anything of Gwendolyn Christie's Gwendolyn Christie's body that she wouldn't want seen, and it's beautiful that way because you don't even notice. There's not like a planter in the way. It's just yeah. it's constructed and held very very nicely, and I thought that was a great bit of camera work. Well, and I also yeah. think that that is designed to play to their relationship. Mm-hmm. Their relationship is more like siblings than anything else. So why, why like tantalize the viewer with anything that might be objectified that has nothing to do with what's going on in the scene? Right. It, it quietly adds to the, the scene, the suspense, the relationship without you noticing it until I, I, until I mention it and you're listening to it right directly in your earbuds. And now you're going to go watch it again and be mad at me, and I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, I no, I, I, I again, this is, I, I think I said in the last episode we recorded that the scene at the end where she takes over the army, where Daenerys takes over the army, was my favorite scene of anything we had thus far discussed, mm-hmm. and. This is definitely up there in my favorite scenes of all time that I've witnessed so far in Game of Thrones. Yeah, this is this is one of the one of the better the one of the better scenes as far as character revealing because you get a lot from both of them in a very short period of time. Um. So now we get a scene that somewhat frustrates me. Okay. Because it's a good scene, like a lot of good, or a good segment of the show. A lot of good stuff happens. You get the Brotherhood without banners. There's a fight between Clegane and Beric Dondarrion. The, the Brotherhood without re- plot. Yeah, the bre- but that's <laughs> the problem, right? They're the, the ultimately. It doesn't go, go so much anywhere, right? Like the, in the scene with Gendry and Arya is really good and yeah. sad, and 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 you know, there's a lot of good conversation, but it just doesn't. Um, the, the only really good thing, so there's three key things that you can take away from all the brotherhoods without plot areas on this on these both these episodes really, and that is that uh, Gendry is special because of of the one god or the high god, the fire god, whatever, Elor. Um, that Arya has a relationship, not just a. It, it's not. It's not just. We, they've been stuck together for a while. She has a genuine affection. Uh, for Gendry, like she feels there's more there than just two people passing along, and you see that in her face when he says that he's staying. She looks genuinely hurt. Her her she goes immediately to a scream. She's she's emotionally distraught, which is not something you really get to see in Arya from this point on, to be honest. Um, and, and, and I, I want to just like step in there for a second. What's interesting about that is that they see each other so differently, mm-hmm. right? Like she sees him. Maybe uh, maybe not as an equal, but she sees him as uh, like a, an important force in her life right now, and he still sees her as superior. and right. And I love the statement that he says to her, where he says, "You you would you wouldn't be my family. You'd be my lady." Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and the third point that I want to make on this is you see the continued turmoil, which will play out very soon between Arya and the Hound. 
She hates him. In fact, her list, uh, I believe I read the list last time, her list is now Joffrey, Cersei, Ilan Payne, Sir Marin, and The Hound. She has officially added him to the list, um, and that, that will play out. That, that actually pays off fairly soon, but it's really amazing that she just has such a hate for him and such an affection for Gendry all in the same group. Like She's, she's a little girl torn is what she is. So you need to revisit that list every time we record. I I, I, I plan, I, I plan I to write it down every single time. Yes. Yeah. Good. Because I kind of want to see. Okay, where, what's going on with the list this week? <laughs> yep. Uh, Jenny, is there anything you wanted to add? Uh, wanted to add about the uh, the Brotherhood without plot? You know, it's hard for me to say this in front of Richard. So earmuffs. But. Um, I think the biggest problem... No, you don't really have to have your earmuffs. It's okay. La, la, One la, of the, la, biggest, la, 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 la. the biggest problem with the Brotherhood of Banners is that this is one of the first times that um, this TV show significantly diverted from... The books, yeah. The books. And it's not yet. It's not coming. And, and maybe we can tell you, if you, you don't think you're ever going to read the books, we'll tell you someday what that diversion is. Because... So the reason that it's the Brotherhood Without Plot is that they should be building these characters to become very interesting in a future season, but that thing never happens in the TV show. Right. And so they're sort of a stump. Speaking mm. of stumps. It happens this season, in fact, that it, yes. that it diverges. Like very it soon. Diverges. It just it, Very soon. It's the first major... Yeah, I guess you're right. I hadn't thought about that, but yeah, that's, that's very... Because very otherwise... Fun. If the thing in the book happened at all in the TV series, then it would be like, oh, wow, well, we know these characters. Now they sure have a purpose. Yeah. But they don't. Now, this was, if you if you were mindful enough to catch some of the smaller details and really lean into it a lot, this episode does feed you some of the backstory of the Red Woman. Uh, it's yes. man, it's it's so minor that it doesn't ma- matter at all until you get like forty three other pieces. But it does; it's one more piece to her backstory that adds to her mystery that that, is, that goes on for a while. And actually, uh, to be clear, some of the stuff that you lear- learn from the Brotherhood without plot becomes super important later. So mm. they kind of did take some details of things that are important and sort of trans use them into another plot line sort of and the red woman is sort of involved you can uh, yeah. amos gets where i'm going but uh yeah. richard i'm sorry let's talk again in two years uh, <laughs> that's okay I, my role on this show is to be lost just yeah you know yeah you just call him richard the smoke monster yeah um <laughs> <laughs> too deep excellent uh, no but there's a richard on on uh, lost too mm. Mm-hmm. How about them apples? Mm. Um, so yeah, so so there's more thematic relevance, and and um, the you know how superhero powers are revealed. We're seeing some superhero powers revealed here, but otherwise, before we even know who the superpowers are, that's right, that's right. <laughs> so, but then we do get a little bit more information about the Red Woman at Dragonstone, in which Stannis Baratheon has nothing better to do than to go talk to his wife, who is a fanatic. If you've ever been in a relationship and this scene did not set awkward as soon as he opened the door, 
check your relationship status because somebody has somebody's not in it as deep as you as yeah. should be. Um, this was this was strange right from the get go. The scene goes through. He confesses his uh, his transgressions. She's like, I know uh, the red woman's already told me. Melisandre's um, already told, already told me, and it's a wonderful thing. Any sin committed or any act committed in the in the service of the of the god cannot Convenient. be is not a sin. And then, oh, by the way, she's been keeping the stillborns in jars in a mm. castle in medieval times. Yeah. And she still remembers their names and talks to them. Like she is you thought she was weird before. This is when I knew she has gone. She's she's the Lisa uh, Lisa Aaron of of the non veil. That's what she is because she is just off her rocker. She's completely crazy. So, uh, and then the other really nice thing that happens that starts to build a relationship that really becomes so important later mm. is um, the daughter of Salise and. Um, Stannis is Shireen and Shireen's interesting because Shireen has a touch of the grayscale and yet didn't die right again really subtle weaving of things that are going to happen and be important later Davos like likes her but does like you know uh, some men in these times did not know what to do with their daughters and so they talk but then Shireen goes down to the onion night and meets him in his cave and it's really sweet like it's they, it's like he's, she's going to teach him to read. And so they clearly establish a, a an uncle-daughter relationship that's going to be important later. Yep. He, he kind of sees her as... She, I got the feeling from the book and I got the feeling from the, from the, the TV show. And Richard, I, I would like to see if you caught the same feeling. That Thanos is the only person that really treats Shireen like a normal person. Like she doesn't yeah. have an affliction and Wait, did you right. say Thanos or Davos? Because uh, Thanos again. That's amazing. Yeah. It's Davos. Thanos See? is everywhere. Not right, right. Um. So yeah, is I it, did that. Yeah, you got that just a couple episodes ago. Yeah, right. See, exactly. Um. But yeah, she, he's the only one that really treats her like she's a normal person. Like she's not highborn, all crazy. She's not sick. She's just a little girl. And Davos is the, really the only one that treats her that way. Yes. Yeah. No, that was cool. I agree. I agree. Um, so we sort of end up back in King's Landing in which um, basil people are being sneaky and it's a talk of weddings, right? So t- uh, Tywin <laughs> Lannister has some thoughts about marriage and Tyrion is surprised to find out that he'll be marrying Sansa. Mm. Cersei is pretty pissed off that she's going to be marrying Sir Loras Tyrell based on what we know about Sir Loras Tyrell that does not seem like it will be a fruitful marriage mm. <laughs> <laughs> in the literal interesting sense. choice of words well I so, mean like in the in the g- giving birth fruitful sense uh, well I the, mean it's it's, uh, it's technically sense. possible right yeah it's, it's not possible, possible but you know it's not I don't think it's what she wants this this Clearly scene not. okay so these two episodes again marry together very well these, this pair of episodes this scene marries a scene nice wordplay there in the next episode and it's almost a continuation with the di- with the same lead character and and just a different subject that he's coming down on and they play out very well 
I, I thought yes. that, I thought that was really awesome the way that Tywin is here with his children saying, no, you're going to do this. And in the next episode, we'll get to it. He's there with someone else saying, no, this is what's going to happen. And you really start to see the the mind behind Tywin Lannister. He's not just yeah. this this old man. He's actually, he's playing chess, but nobody even realizes he's playing chess. Yeah. Right. Right. So I have a question, uh, and this is one of many, but just prior to this kind of shocking scene where Tywin tries to command who's going to marry whom, Loras Tyrell is just like randomly with some hot thing hanging right. out. Like what what was that about? Was that just to remind us that oh yeah, he's gay? Yes. Yeah, yes, yes. MacGuffin Okay. MacGuffin accomplished. All right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> And he had a cute little muffin, that MacGuffin. Um, <laughs> I couldn't resist. Um, so, yeah. So, basically, plotting, plotting, plotting going on in King's Landing. And now, when you get to the next episode, The Climb, you are still sort of in this King's Landing thing. And these two hotshot old people meet up, Tywin Lannister and Lady Olena. And these two are quite a pair. Mm. Yeah, and I just have one thing to say. Don't fuck with Lady Tyrell. Yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of role, like, every woman at my age secretly wants to be her in about 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> like, I want to wrap myself up in fine cloths and swan about and just be a total fucking bitch to and, everybody and, and not care and about anybody and not yeah. care and no. be smarter that that's why people re- like love Olena Tyrell so much she's just unapologetically in it for her people mm-hmm. and in a way that is so just like <sighs> cut ya I don't know I love it <laughs> it's a it's a really good scene and so um, the oh, summary of the scene basically yeah Fine, Loras and Cersei are going to get married. And then we forgot last episode to talk about Sansa and, and Peter Baelish, the creepiest. Ugh. Ugh. Just, ugh, whatever. So creepy. Sansa still thinks she's marrying Loras. Basically, Peter Baelish wants her to get on a ship and come away with him to the Vale, which is like, okay. <laughs> and so that's still on her mind. It's like creepy part two. That's, that's. Yeah. Yeah. Not only am I going to tell you how much I wanted your mom and how much I uh, I think you look like your mom, but now I'm going to say run away with me too. Like it's just he's just a creep, and he proves it at the end of this episode. He proves just how how creepy and selfish he is. Yeah, and and this is just like ski. I, I like to call this part scheming and pairs, right? <laughs> so like then you've got Lord Varys going up against Peter Baelish, right? Mm. It is not good for poor Roz. Right. Who apparently has been helping Varys out, which I did not know. I don't think I think I missed that the first time. And then he says something that is super duper important later. Right. He says chaos is a ladder for those brave enough to climb. And I just want you Richard, to just write that down. Yep. Chaos put, put, is a ladder. So, Richard, you and I are both kind of OCD, especially when it comes to writing. We we don't like uh, you don't want to bold something and italicize it and make it in a different color 
because you're just kind of overblowing the importance. And I want, whatever uh, the hell you do, do not underline it. No, no. I want you to underline it twice, bold <laughs> it, make it red, make it flashy. Can you can you make one of those little gifs that makes it flashy and uh, italicize it? And also, can you put a little box around it with like little sparkly things? Like, remember yeah. this line. It will, Chaos is a ladder it's 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 right this is such a setup for a such a deep cut that we're gonna give you the warning now to write it down. Put, put put it on your wall because it's gonna come back in the biggest way ever probably one of the best payoffs of the entire series and even yeah. if you didn't give me that sneak just that scene alone just that scene alone where he you know he's basically countering the sentiment that oh god forbid we descend into chaos and his reaction is no, no, no. Chaos is an opportunity. Chaos right. is a ladder. Yeah, it, and it really shows the dichotomy between Varys and Littlefinger. Varys is always in it for the for the the realm. He wants to stabilize the realm. It's best for the people. Keep everything. Right. If, they, if there is a status quo, keep the status quo. And if there's not, establish one as quickly as possible. It's all about stability for him. And Littlefinger comes in there and just smashes it with a hammer and says no. Chaos is the way to go. Because yeah. Littlefinger is in it for Littlefinger. Repeat after me, Littlefinger. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He's he's into a lot of things for Littlefinger. Yep. So, um, also Sansa finds out she's marrying Tyrion, right? And which is I an awkward so. scene. Yeah, that's that's an awkward scene Shay's because because Shay is there. And you don't actually hear Tyrion tell Sansa that he leads up to it, and he's basically saying sometimes you, when you have to hear something, you don't want to hear it the way you you realize later that you wish you'd heard it a different way. Sansa thinks she's talking or he's talking to her. He's clearly talking to Shay, and Shay is already already furious. Yeah, like she already knows something very bad is going on right now. Yeah, and then also like. Poor Roz. Poor Roz the prostitute. It basically gets crossbowed, right? Yeah. Or is there something. It's really bad. Ro- Roz's, uh, uh, Roz's watch has ended. Yeah. It's not such a good plan to come down from the north. Hmm. Then in the Riverlands, things are just happening. Things continue to happen. Yeah, Rob uh, Rob has lost the Karstark army, so have his armies gone. He's trying to get in the uh, the Frey army to make up the numbers. He's, so he has to make good with Walder Frey, and uh, well, his his uncle Edmure is not too happy about it. But eventually, he's going to have to go up there and get married. That's not yeah. going to be uh, too yeah. exciting, especially because I don't think he likes. Uh, well, he doesn't know what she, she looks like yet. Um, but there is one really interesting thing that happens, which is the red woman is given Gendry. So yes. Gendry is is sold to the red woman, mm-hmm. and Arya is pissed off about it. But Melisandre, it's like you don't often think that these two characters met, and I forgot that they met until now. And she says... Um, she looks into Arya's eyes and says she sees many other eyes of many other colors, eyes that Arya will shut forever and yeah. says they'll meet again. She, do, says, do, do. She, she says, I look into your eyes and I see darkness. And from the darkness, I see others' eyes, green yeah. eyes, blue eyes, brown eyes, eyes you will shut forever. We will meet again. Dang. Like, <laughs> like yeah, and then Melisandre, she, yeah, and then yeah. she rides She's, off in the sunset. <laughs> 
with Gendry over the back of a horse. Right, and two pa- bags of steel or gold lighter. Yeah. So, fine, she got that. And then, you know, Bran is still going north. That's all we need to know. Right. I, I have notes here. One of my bullet points is, oh, yeah, Bram. Yeah. Uh, well, oh, yeah, that guy. Get, I mean, th- th- this, is, this is just teasing for later because eventually you're not going to see him for, like, ever. So, like, ever, ever. Yeah. <laughs> Um, speaking, then, speaking of Brand not yeah. being around too much, though, uh, keep in mind that the last episode and the vast majority of this episode, Joffrey isn't present, mm-hmm. and he, he basically makes a, him. he basically makes a cameo at the end of this episode <laughs> with with uh, Roz's uh, dead body being the uh, the star of that scene. Um, so yeah, there's that. I don't know how long it's been since we've seen Joffrey, but. Like you said, Richard, I I haven't missed him. It's a, it's a welcome relief. There's enough other tension going on with with stupid little plot lines and this and that and pieces to put together to not have him coming in through and and being overbearing with the whole thing. Yeah, and then we have a little bit of Theon Greyjoy getting tortured, which you should get used to. Right. Oh, and 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 these are the these these frankly are the moments that I'm like, yes, he so deserves this. Mm. Like I, I can't feel bad for him at all. No matter how us. horrible they try to yeah, make. Yeah, this. Well, well, I'm, I'm interested. Check back. I'm right down the moment that that opinion changes. Right, yeah. right, okay. right down the minute second marker of which episode. Um. Okay, and then finally you have this incredible. I think an incredible scene of a wildling fit, like these wildlings climbing the wall. Right. Mm-hmm. and things are going poorly, and people are being cut, and it's just like, I love it. <laughs> and so, so they're I climbing know, the wall, there be, there's yeah. a big crack, a bunch of people die, and Tormund is leading, Aurel is directly behind him, and then you have Firebrand herself and Jon Snow. They're going up, and their entire other party falls off the off the wall, they end up swinging. Uh, they being um, Jon Snow and uh, and Igreet. Igreet. There we go. It's such Igreet. a hard Igreet. name to remember. Igreet. Igreet. Yeah. Igreet. 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 Yeah. I have no idea. Igreet. So they end up swaying back and forth, and Orella is going to cut him off the the safety rope, and Jon saves himself and Igreet, and you can almost see you could really see the frustration in Orell's face that like he's really hoping just to cut him loose and move on with life. Um, <laughs> right. But unfortunately for him, they make it to the top of the wall and have this beautiful sunset kiss. Yay. Yeah. Yay. Okay. Now questions. Why are they climbing the wall? When no other way to get around it. First. What? How? What? How? They walked through a tunnel that bored through the wall to get on the other side the first time. Yes. Why are they having to climb the wall this time? Because different the people. The, 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 yeah, it's different people. The gate. But so what? The, the, all, the, all the tunnels through the wall have gates that are heavily guarded. They're trying to sneak through. And it, this is something that um, Tormund has done, quote, uh, more than half a hundred times. So this is their more safe route. More than half a hundred. Wow. That, that's, that's, that's what she says. He's done it more than half a hundred times. So this is like a, this should be a safe move, and uh, you know this is something he's done many times before. 
Um, and they can do it. They can sneak across without being noticed and without trying to tear down a reinforced gate or two. Yeah. This is a good ending. It's really good. I really like it. Nothing's bad's going to happen to these two. It's just awesome. Uh, I mean, do you mean in real life? Because they just got married. Uh, as I know. Of, as of the these time of recording this. just got married. Yeah. <laughs> it's really nice. Just for the record, that never works out. Uh, yeah, Kit, Kit Harrington and uh, Rose Leslie, the two actors that play um, Jon Snow and Agreed, just got married in real life. As, as yeah. a I, I wish time them this. all the best. It never works. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it, it, it worked for Paul Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. Okay, how many <laughs> decades ago was that? <laughs> so he's saying, he's saying uh, marriage failure is a new new concept. No, I, I do want to before we before we let this episode go. I do want to bring us back to the very beginning of uh, episode six here. Sam and Gilly are yes. building up this bond. And you, if you don't, if you don't mention it once in a while, you'll, you'll, it'll pass you by. Yeah. Cause it just seems like two giddy kids, not under the thumb of anyone for the first time, but they're, they're building a genuine bond between them. And it's, it's very, knowing what we know now, it's very cute to see them at this stage. Yeah. So, um, Knowing and just, what you Sam, know now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. We know things. We know things. So I would say that overall these two episodes contain several classic scenes uh, that Game of Thrones fans would rank among their favorite and several really important thematic builds. Mm. Uh, and so these are the first two episodes for me in a while where I wasn't just like, okay. I mean, I still often fast forward through the Rob Stark parts because <laughs> like oh boy she get that uh that that, that was that dish feature the roadrunner or whatever where it just yep. passes the commercials boop, just boop, boop, had boop. that programmed for Rob Stark yep <laughs> but um really there are some iconic things in these two episodes and and they're really good and everything's leading to a really good place and you know hey guys that was fun we should uh we should go ahead and wrap this up if uh if you've got any questions comments or complaints or you just want to like try to sneak Richard some information that we haven't told him yet. Uh, let's talk about thrones at gmail.com. No spoilers. No spoilers. Come on. No spoilers at let's yeah. talk about thrones. Dot, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> so let's talk about thrones at gmail.com. Give us your feedback. Let us know what you think and uh, tell us where we went wrong because we undoubtedly did. If you're a Rob Stark fan, I don't even, sorry. I, yeah. I don't know if we want that mail or not. <laughs> Jenny, sorry. Yeah, Jenny, where are you? Save it for season four. <laughs> I uh, did believe in him. I totally did. Yeah, he did okay <laughs> at start, and he just got lost in the politics of it. You can find me on Twitter at j e n n i e j twenty three. I do a lot of interesting stuff. There's a lot of interesting stuff coming. That's all I have to say right now. Keep keep on the twitters. There we go, Richard. I love the tease, Jenny. I love the tease. All right. You can find me on the Twitters at Richard Gunther, and that kind of aggregates a bunch of my different and I would say disparate voices on that platform. And yeah, I also have a couple podcasts that I promote there. So, you know, look for that. I like how he says disparate voices and not personalities, although... The argument could be made. You can find me on Twitter at Ethan Kane, E-T-H-A-N-C-A-I-N-E. Uh, it doesn't make so sense, many. and that's, that's, the beauty, that's, that, that's the beautiful part of it. For Jenny, Richard, and myself, we will see, well, you will hear us next time we talk about Thrones. 
T U A L M I S E L Y.